Sports are back, and now's your chance to save 40%. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash clipcity, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking news stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash clipcity for 40% off on an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today I am joined by Justin Wilson, aka LA Clippers Film, to break down the Clippers' 117 115 loss to the Phoenix Suns, as well as their first three games of bubble play. Justin, my man, how are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing great. I'd do I'd be better if uh if we got a win today and <laughs> Sue would have not turned the ball over. But that was um, rough. Yeah, but I'm I'm doing good. I'm going I'm doing good. Things are well. We've got basketball on all day and night. And uh I couldn't be happier from from a basketball perspective. And they're healthy, they're being healthy about it. So things are well. Things are well. Yeah, so I, I just moved from Culver City to West Hollywood with my girlfriend and I've been having nonstop Wi-Fi issues. So aside from that, I'm good. But when you're trying to cover uh, a basketball team uh, across the country <laughs> through Wi-Fi <laughs> and internet, it, it's kind of tough. So right now I have some shoddy Wi-Fi. We're, we're going to ride this wave and uh, try to give you guys a good podcast. Uh, but you mentioned that, you know, so the Clippers lost today, 117, 115. Uh, Devin Booker dropped 35 and eight on them, including the game winning buzzer beater, uh, which was made possible because of Avica Zubats, who grabbed a important rebound, you know, went, went through traffic, a um, couple Suns players, a couple Clippers players grabbed a important rebound off of a Ricky Rubio 11 foot fadeaway miss. Uh, but Zoo. Uh, made a mistake that you kind of learn in, in middle school or high school uh, <laughs> when you corral a rebound, especially late in a game, a, a close game, um, and just in general when you're underneath your own basket. Um, you you got to be really careful with how you outlet the ball. And Zoo saw PG leaking out in, in transition and fired up a, you know, a just kind of lofted this this outlet pass, which – uh, Kale Bridges was right there, uh, tipped the ball. DeAndre Ayton caught it. They reset the offense, and Devin Booker hit an incredibly impressive, uh, you know, pivot fadeaway uh, over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, but you know, Zoo should have called timeout, or he should have pivoted. You know, held the ball, pivoted, turned the other way. You had Reggie Jackson and Kawhi Leonard on the other side, both wide open. Uh, that was a unfortunate mistake for Zoo. And I thought it was especially unfortunate because it undermined what had been not only his best game in the bubble, but one of his best games uh, of the season. He had 18 points, 12 rebounds, held DeAndre Ayton to 3 of 10 shooting, and was a team best plus 13. No other starter was anywhere close to that. The next best starter was Marcus Morris at plus 2. 
So Zoo and Zoo closed the game. He, he played the last seven minutes of the game. Uh, Doc took him out for two seconds to put Jermichael in for an offensive possession. Uh, but I, I thought overall this was like the game that we had all been waiting for Zoo to have. Those who are Zoo supporters, those who think Zoo should be closing games. Um, I, I thought he lived up to it again, you know, holding DeAndre Ayton to three of 10 shooting. Uh, the possession that Ricky Rubio missed, uh, you know, Zoo stepped up twice to, to show yeah, I mean, on, on, on Devin Booker. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Pick and rolls. He, he, you know, he stepped up twice um, and, and, you know, kind of funneled uh, that kind of play where, where Ricky ended up, you know, driving into Kawhi and then missing that shot. So I thought overall, Zoo, Zoo was great. Um, but, how do you view the turnover within the context of the game, within the context of his performance? And um, does this validate Doc's decision to never play Zoo in the fourth quarter? Or do you have a, a longer term perspective on this and, and maybe some upside of Zoo getting reps and experience late in games and, and maybe having a mistake like this that he can learn from? Um, so I, I hope I hope this doesn't validate Doc's decision to uh, not play him in, in to close games because he had a fantastic game and he had a fantastic finish to that game. I mean, some mistakes are just so silly, like the zoo turnover, that it's kind of not even worth uh, cycle and not psychoanalyzing. Like that's not a deep dive. I'm pretty sure Zoo knows he should have just pivoted, held it, or, like, called timeout or something. I mean, he's a professional. He knows that. And so I just thought that he was 18 points in 24 minutes was protecting the rim, and he was really the anchor for the Clippers in that comeback down the stretch because that was it looked like it was teetering on getting away from them down the stretch of that fourth quarter, and he was the one of the players on the floor who kind of anchored that, anchored that comeback and got them in with his screen setting, his rim protection, his rebounding. So um, if anything, a performance like this really validates why he should be closing games out, in my opinion. And more than anything, um, the bubble has really felt like, at least on TV, that it's it's almost like a playoff-like environment with these close games. And so it was good to see him get these reps in an environment like the bubble. And um, I hope I hope to see more of it, honestly. So I just wrote on this, uh, so it's fresh in my mind, but Zoo has played, this is absurd when you hear this, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but he has only played 67 fourth quarter minutes all season, including the seven today. He's only played, he's played, he's the only Clipper to play all 67 games and he's only played in 20 fourth quarters. So he's sat at over 70% of the fourth quarters this season. Um, and, you know, so overall he's played 94.5% of his minutes through the first three quarters. So to me, him getting a seven minute stretch where, like you said, he was productive. He was an anchor, uh, five points, five rebounds, uh, again, a, a team best plus 13 overall, like this to me validated kind of everything. Those of us who've been saying zoo should be playing more, um, you know, have thought and have seen, you know, you know, like 18 and 12 are our Trez numbers, you know, probably even higher on, on the rebounding side. Um, didn't have a block, but altered a bunch of shots. Um, you, know, you know, again, like we just mentioned, um, had two nice shows on that final defensive possession uh, before Booker's game winner. And again, just had a brain fart, made a really, you know, dumb turnover. 
Um, he, he had four turnovers and, and that has been an issue for him. You know, part of that sometimes is the offensive fouls. But um, I, I think people who are going to use this against you, because there was a lot of people, um, you know, I literally 30 seconds really? before. Oh, yeah. 30 seconds before the turnover, I tweeted, I'm glad we're finally seeing Zoo close a game. <laughs> And, and it was perfect timing. And then 30 seconds later, he gets the rebound. And he turns it over. Booker hits the shot. And then all these people, um, you know, mainly Clipper fans, are in my mentions, roasting it. And I, I just think if, if you are using this to to validate that or, or to say Doc has been right this whole time, um, I, I think you are just not, you, you know, you just don't see Zoo's value or for whatever reason underrate it because, you know, it's, it's undebatable at this point. Like he is one of the best, screeners rebounders and rim protectors in the league like you know he's top 10 in multiple statistics across those three um you know screen assists you know screens um offensive rebounds defensive rebounds you know field goal percentage out at the rim like he is elite in all of those categories and though he is somewhat of an archaic big man he still has a lot of value in, in my opinion um in the modern nba I, I think I think one of the things that you see is that the starting the starters that he plays with really exacerbate all of the things that he does well. So he sets fantastic screens, but those screens are even exacerbated because you got guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who can come off those screens and make pull-ups, whether those be pull-up threes or the mid-range or something like that. And Marcus Morris as well. And you saw that Marcus Morris had a good game and he found Zoo with a good with a, one of my favorite plays of the season for Marcus. So I mean, I I quite frankly can't take anybody seriously who's who'll say Look at Zeus' turnover as to why he shouldn't be playing in a crunch time or playing fourth quarter, fourth quarter minutes. That's insane. Um, and I think more than anything, the Clippers are going to need him just because there's going to come a time in the playoffs where they're going to have to play some size and they're going to have to trust Zoo. And, and if you can't trust Zoo here, then you're definitely not going to trust them come playoff time. And so I think it's good that he gets those reps. And if if nothing else, the rest, the last six of these seeding games, he should be playing in these fourth quarters. He needs those reps. I mean, 67 minutes is just I mean, that's nothing. That's that's not even I, I, I didn't know that. And that's that's almost embarrassing for someone as good as Zoo. So I hope to see more of it, and I hope to see it more in the rest of these seeding games as we head towards the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one minute a game across the 67 games, and he's only played in 20 of those. So, you know, it's more like three, three and a half minutes a game when he actually plays. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think, it, again, if, if you are looking to nitpick and diminish Zoo's performance off of one turnover and and say that embodies why Doc doesn't play him or doesn't trust him, like, I, I just think that's a reach. I, I think that's short-sighted. And to your point, they are going to need him at some point. And if he's only played 67 minutes in the fourth quarter all season and you're in a game six or game seven and Trez you know, twists his ankle or, or Trez gets his fifth foul or, or fouls out and you need a, a big body and you go to zoo and he hasn't played. I, I just, you know, I, I think th this, in this instance, I, I think the process is more important than the results. I, I tend to think that most of the time, but yes, it hurts. You know, th this loss does thing. They're now only one game above Denver. And, um, you know, with the way Houston's playing, like 
who knows? Maybe this team could drop to, to fourth if they're not careful. But I, I think I, I just think, you know, it, it's more important to get Zoo critical minutes. And, and, you know, he hadn't done that up to this point. And with Trez gone, like if, if Trez isn't there, who's closing games? I mean, it, it, maybe Jermichael. Uh, it really depends on the matchup. But I, I thought Zoo defended Aiton really well. Um, let's transition to some bigger picture stuff here. What have you seen in the bubble from this team? We know that they've been shorthanded. Uh, you, you know, you had Lou, Pat, and Trez out of the bubble. Lou just returned, looked okay. You know, I, I guess for being you know quarantined for ten days, he, he was kind of Lewish. You know, seven, six, and six. Um, you know, didn't really get going offensively, but again, wasn't able to do much over the ten day span. Uh, Pat, you know, just came back. Also, was on a minutes limit. Looked more like himself in, in that Pelicans game. Uh, and then you have Trez, who we, we still don't know when he's going to be back. And he's, of course, you know, in a very important piece for this team. You know, probably the sixth man of the year favorite um, or at least co-favorite. So where are you at with this team right now? Has anything changed your opinion for positive or negative in the bubble? Like what, what have you been interested in? What have you seen? Um, and just, you know, what have been some of your takeaways? Um. So I, I, as far as what's changed with me, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I know I'm gonna. I, I know I'm gonna sound biased because I'm a Clipper guy, but I felt all year that they were the favorites. Um, and through three games in the bubble, I still feel that way. They've got two losses off of really game winners. And you can kind of see in in each of those games where they'll put like a five six minute stretch where they just look incredible on both ends. Um, I'm I'm antis- I'm more so looking at uh, the three point shooting mm-hmm. and the uptick that you that that we've all noticed as far as their attempts. And I've always felt like the Clippers were a little bit too, re- even though they have the shooters with like Kawhi and PG, I felt like they were a little, and Marcus Morris now in the fold as well. I did feel like they were a little too reliant at times on, on the midi, but um, mm-hmm. in the bubble that the three pointers have just skyrocketed and I love it. I love it. I'm one. And they, I've felt that they have way too many great three point shooters to not just be hoisting away like not I mean you don't want to get egregious like Houston Rockets style but they definitely could stand to shoot more threes and I think kind of like what you just what you said earlier about the process being more important than the results I think it's going to pay off big time if they can incorporate more three-point shooting into their attack and a lot of that has to do with probably their best three-point generator off the bounce in Paul George so um I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those guys that that like I'm if anything, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing in the bubble from the Clippers. Um, today, it looked like they didn't care for most of the game, just from my perspective. But when they did, you kind of saw their superiority. And so um, nothing has changed on my end. I don't know if that's the same for you. But um, the only thing that really is stuck out to me, and, and again, it's such a short sample size, uh, the three-point shooting, and I hope that continues. Yeah, uh, I think I'm I'm with you in a macro sense. Uh, I, I do think the three point shooting, um, you, you know, is something that's trending in the right direction. Uh, I'm gonna double check this right. Okay, yeah. So they're they're eight of twenty nine tonight. So this actually keeps uh, 
my um, stat alive that I had from last game where when, when the Clippers attempt 35 or more threes, they're 21 and four this season. Uh, which is just an insane. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, no. So wow. Um, so this team is like basically unbeatable. When and and now it's a little bit of like the chicken versus the egg, where you're like, okay, well, when they're taking that many threes, is it because the ball movement is better those nights? Is it because they're hitting them those nights and they're just taking more? Like, you know, it is a little bit of like, why are they taking more and and what's causing it and. Uh, again, maybe they're playing a worse defense, so the ball movement's better. They, they're getting more open looks, or they're, they're just on fire that game, and, and they're taking more, so th- they're probably going to win. And that might inflate that a little bit, but I do think it's telling. Twenty-one and four in the twenty-five games this season that they've taken thirty-five or more threes, and um, you know, thirty-five or more is I think slightly above league average. League average I think is around thirty-four attempts or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 there when when this team takes a lot of threes, like. They're, they're typically winning. Um, I, I, I think some, some minor things. I still have some concern uh, with Marcus Morris of just what his role is. Like, I, I don't think he needs to figure it out for this team to win a championship. But I, I do think if they can figure it out, it, it probably makes them the clear favorite. You know, like right now, I, I, I think agree they're on. A, I agree with that. They're on a similar tier, probably with, with the Lakers or Bucks. Like, you know, I, I would favor the Clippers, but you know, you can make the case for either of the other teams. Uh, but if they can unlock Marcus Morris, which you know today, sixteen points, uh, six of eight shooting. I, I thought this was a really good blueprint for what his role could look like moving forward. Um, if they could do that, then I think that that's encouraging. Reggie Jackson's come back to. Uh, to life. I mean, well, he's come back down to earth a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, he had a good game against the Pelicans, but overall, this is more the Reggie we were kind of expecting, um, which, can, <laughs> which can still be still a solid productive player, but he's not posting a 67% true shooting percentage. Um, and, and then the last thing, which I, I want to pose this question for you, you know, Jermichael Green talked a, a couple weeks ago about he went, he, he's gone back and watched film from last season and, and kind of, revisited what he was doing well uh, when he got to the Clippers, what he was doing well in the, in the postseason when, when he had that really good series against the Warriors. Um, and, and to me, he's probably been the bubble most improved player of, of just the Clipper that ha- has increased his play the most from, from you know, during the hiatus. Um, what have you thought about Jamichael's play? And what if I posed this to you of potentially – inserting Jermichael into the starting lineup over Marcus, swapping those two. Um, wh- what do you think about that potential uh, lineup adjustment? Um, so I've, I'm, I'm a huge Jermichael Green um, stan. Um, I, I, I tweeted it out today that I felt like he was one of the biggest bargains in the league. And, you know, obvi- obviously you want, to, you want to send your prayers and condolences to what Trez is going through right now. Um, but he's probably been one of the biggest benefactors of it just because you can kind of see his confidence in that he knows where his minutes are coming and he knows that he's getting in a little bit earlier. He knows that Doc has got to have a little bit longer of a leash with him as far as mistakes are concerned. And I just think it's a confidence thing with Jamichael and he's looking, I think, I think you mentioned it, but he's looking how he did in the playoffs and he's one of the best pick and pop guys in the league. Um, you you try icing, you try icing Clipper pick and rolls with like Reggie Jackson or Pat Bev or whoever's the ball handler, and 
you know, that's death because he's going to he's going to knock that down. Um, so I'm I'm a huge Jermichael Green fan, and it, it kind of gets tricky if and when Trez does return to the bubble just from a minutes perspective, and that's three centers who probably all deserve some minutes. It gets kind of tricky there, but um, he's playing his way into the rotation. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that now, and he was somebody that I felt was going to maybe get some spot minutes here and there in the playoffs just because of the minutes crunch. But he's played himself into being a little bit more than that, and he's he's really important towards what the Clippers are trying to do. And in regards to that second question, that's a question that's been posed to me a lot recently. And I gotta say, man, I'm I'm gonna still ride with Marcus Morris on that. I'm gonna still ride with Marcus Morris on that, man. I I think that I I tweeted this, and you can let me know if you agree or disagree a lot of the Marcus Morris issues just stem from him not making open shots. And he made a few more shots today and he looked a lot more productive. Now, granted it was against the Phoenix suns, but I think if he just makes open shots, then uh, the Clipper ceiling just goes up maybe like three or four notches just because he's that productive of a player. And I've been pleasantly surprised with his um, shot selection for the most part um, you can you can feel free to disagree with that, but from what I've seen, I haven't really cringed too much on <laughs> on on his shot selection. There are times where he gets a little beside himself, but I don't think you acquire Marcus Morris and expect him to be the perfect player. You got to give him a little bit of rope to do some things as far as like the massaging of the ball, the uh, the mid range contested shots. Um, I think he's kept that in check for the most part. And I think that his um, shot created shot creativity um, is going to lend itself big time come playoff time when we potentially need a bucket and the ball has found him with like five seconds left in the shot clock. He's a good bailout guy to have. And I think he's kept himself in check. And I really just think he needs to make more open shots. As simple as that sounds. I think I'm with you. Uh, I've been going back and forth on this. Um, I, I was especially thinking about it today, uh, you know, before the game, just thinking about storylines with this team and, and just things I was curious about. Uh, so I, I don't want to be a hypocrite and react to today's game too much and, and say that, you know, is why he should be starting. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, the, the peak version of Marcus is better than the peak version of Jermichael. And, you know, maybe it's an upside bet uh, by, by starting him. Maybe it's also, um, you know, to, to me, he's one of those guys that I, I think like the starting role matters to him and, and you could potentially lose him um, or, or just have him not as interested in, in playing within the, the confines of the team's offense and defense if you bench him. And, you know, I, I just think he, he, he strikes me as a guy who, who probably would take offense to being benched. Uh, especially after being the leading scorer for the Knicks, uh, who are terrible, but you know, averaging 19 a game as the go-to guy, like then you come in now, you're the fourth, fifth option, and, and now you get benched. Like I, I don't think he would react necessarily well to that. Um, my, my one thing with Marcus, like I, I do think his shot selection has been better in the bubble. Um, I I, I I did go back and watch some of the the pre hiatus games and seeing some of the shots he took. Um, some of which was in like meaning like games against the Cavs and, and the Kings and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like important games. Uh, maybe I'm misspeaking on the Cavs. It might have been a different team. Oh, it was the Grizzlies. Sorry. Um, but it, it, go ahead. 
No, I'm saying he played the Cavs. He was in that Cavs. Game. He, he was in the Cavs game, but uh, I was uh, I was thinking of like the, the last seven or eight games before the hiatus. Uh, they had that Grizzlies game where they just killed the Grizzlies, and oh, yeah, some yeah. some of those shots were just like, like, dude, you're not in New York. Like, you, you know, you have Kawhi and PG on the court. You shouldn't be taking these <laughs> shots. But I, so there's part of me that's like, if you swapped him and Jermichael, um, there are some similarities in their game. Like in in theory, Marcus plays like Jermichael, where it's basically like just only take open threes and like occasionally you can post up occasionally you can drive, but we just basically want you as like a knockdown shooter and a, a versatile tough defender. And that's where I, I think Jermichael accepts his role more. And, you know, just thinking about how he would fit with Kawhi and PG, it's like, you know, you got zoo as the screener and, and roller, you got Kawhi and, and PG, you know, running off ball actions, one's on the ball, one's off the ball. You got your Michael and Pat as the spot up shooters. Like that feels good to me. And, and that might be more of a Lakers adjustment for me. I, I think Jermichael might have to start in the Lakers matchups uh, against AD. But um, I also just think about how Marcus would fit with the bench. And I'm like, okay, you got the Lutrez pick and roll. You got Reggie as a secondary ball handler. Uh, you, you got Landry coming off actions, but like could Marcus maybe help the second unit offense where right now you just have basically Jermichael as a spot up guy, but like maybe Marcus could run some ISOs can, can run some post-ups like that's where he gets those minutes and touches. Cause to me, he's a guy who needs the ball. Like there, there are, there are some guys who don't need the ball and, and can just come in, knock down shots, spot up to me. Part of the problem that Mark, you know, why Marcus hasn't been as effective is he's a guy who needs to touch the ball and it, not just go stand in the corner and, and hit open threes. It's like, he needs a couple plays run for him. You know, he, he needs to touch the ball and, and move and, and pass and, and do different things. And like, just to have him go in there and just be a role player who stands to the side, like that's not the best version of Marcus Morris, um, or, or at least you're not going to get the best version of him. So I, I don't know what, what the answer ultimately is. I, I think they might just stick with Marcus. Um, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if Jermichael starts playing more than him or, or kind of takes his minutes, uh, deep, you know, if he continues to shoot this poorly, I guess. Um, it, it's, it's funny because I can't refute anything that you, that you said. Um, I do, I did, I did kind of wonder like where would Marcus fit in the second unit, but there's no doubt that Jamichael's ability. And I think Jamichael's a little bit better of a defender right now. Um, just from, just from, especially when you mentioned that Lakers series, I like Jamichael a little bit better on on an Anthony Davis instead of uh Marcus Morris. But if Jamichael's gonna shoot this well and he's yeah. gonna and and if he's going to con and 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 honestly it's not even just the shooting. He's really making some really good decisions off like ball reversal, off of like pick and pops. He's sometimes he's turning down the shots when he when he should like I, 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 there was a play today where he caught it on the, uh, where he caught it in a corner. And instead of taking a, a bad three, he was able to put the ball on the floor for like two dribbles and got to like a 12 footer and hit a really important shot. So I've been just so impressed with Jamichael's, not only his threes, but his decision making with the ball. And so it's not something that I would be like, oh, this is a terrible decision. In fact, you probably have more reasons why you sh Jermichael should be in the starters as opposed to Marcus. But um, I do think the upside is there with Marcus. And I think he's an ultimate ceiling raiser, and that's the bet. 
And hopefully it pays off because what you said is true. I'm not sure he would handle the benching well. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to roll with it and you got to hope that uh, Marcus hits some shots here and um, raises our ceiling. Let's close on this. Um, The Clippers are now one game above the Nuggets in the loss column uh, with the Rockets losing. That gives them a little bit of breathing room. They're a couple games up on the four seed Rockets. Um, but with Denver still hanging in there and, and with Houston now kind of surging, uh, you know, b- before the loss today, but you know, they've looked much better in the bubble than the way they ended the hiatus. Um, are, is there any concern on your end of this team potentially dropping in the standings with them being shorthanded? You know, they, they got the Dallas game on Thursday. They, they have the Portland Brooklyn back to back on over the weekend and and Brooklyn just beat Milwaukee Um, though of of course the Bucks aren't really playing for much at this point Uh, but we know Portland is um, uh, you know like is there any concern on on your end of of this team potentially slipping in the standings and if they do slip um, you know is there a matchup you're looking at like how how do you view that if they end up slipping and, and you know are the three or four seed uh, so I think it's a real it's a real possibility. Um, you know, Patrick Beverly's calf situation here that Doc said that they were going to be very cautious about. Who knows what that could lead to? Um, Trez is still not in the bubble. Um, yeah, and there's definitely you you're playing against teams like Portland who are desperate here. So there's definitely a very real concern that they would um, that they could drop, but. I don't I don't see this is going to sound incredibly arrogant, but I don't really see any real matchup in the West that I'm like just pressing over. Um, It's more so about making sure that the Clippers are healthy and that the Clippers are trending in the right direction. And if that means sliding to third, but we get a healthy Patrick Beverly for the playoffs, then uh, so be it. Um, I, 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 I just. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's for for a situation in which there's no home court. I know that the that matchups are still in play and you don't you know, you never know with the Houston Rockets and, you know, Denver's pretty good. I just don't think I think the Clippers have bigger problems if they are trying to run away from any of those teams. And so the main the main goal should be that the Clippers are playing well and that they are healthy above all. So, I mean, let me ask you before before I let you go. Is there any matchup that you want to avoid, or is there any any matchup potentially in the first round that concerns you? No, um, I, I think it wouldn't be great to play. Like I, I think for looking at who they match up with and, and how they match up with, it, if you could avoid Houston in either of the first two rounds, and, and just you know, I, I would you know I would take any other path than I'd like to avoid if I'm the Clippers, I'd like to avoid Houston. It doesn't mean like I would still pick them to beat Houston, but I I just think that's a six or seven game series. In my opinion, where I think the other teams, they could probably beat most of them in five and and maybe six in a worst case. But like to me, Houston, just their style of play, they have a lot of wings. They have a lot of guards. Like I, I think you've seen teams like Houston, Boston, uh, Toronto, not as much surprisingly, but like 
teams that I think of Milwaukee too, like teams with big wings are can match up with the Clippers reasonably well. And like, I think those are, I actually think those teams are, are more of a concern for me than like the Lakers. I mean, Lakers are Lakers are Lakers, but like teams with size, like, like a Denver, um, even a Dallas with like a Porzingis, like those teams don't scare me as much if I'm the Clippers as like a team like Boston that has a Tatum and a smart and a Brown and a Hayward. And like, you have multiple six four to six eight guys who can match up reasonably well with Kawhi and PG and and Pad and Marcus and like those teams I, I think provide a little bit more um, of a scare just with their versatility and, and their perimeter size. But um, so I, I guess I, my goal would just be trying to avoid Houston in one of the first two rounds. Like you know you're going to face the Lakers in the conference finals unless you drop to four or five. So. Um, I, you know, I, I was of the the thought that I, I wanted OKC, but I'm clearly was wrong on that. Um, you know, OKC, like I guess you want Utah at this point. Um, no, I still want OKC, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it's tough because you know Dallas is that rating is great, so like Dallas is better than people, and you know you're going up against the top seven player in Luca. OKC, it's like I think the Clippers match up really well with them. Like they're a team that is perimeter oriented, but they're small. So you're going to have the size advantage. And then Utah, like I, I just don't think Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are good matchups for the Clippers. Um, you know, Mitchell's killed them all season. He's averaging like 35 uh, across the three games. So um, none of the matchups are great. Like I, I think those are all five or six game series, most likely. But um, I, I guess. For me, it'd be it'd be trying to avoid Houston. I, I think w- with the sample we have of Houston, it's a two-two season series. Um, Clippers could have been up four-zero, but Rockets could have been up three-one. So, you know, the, the, those matchups have been very tight. Uh, so, I would probably say trying to position yourself to avoid Houston, but it's kind of out of your control at this point. Um, you know, in, unless they can play themselves into the four-five, which it looks like they might be able to. Yeah, I mean, I. I was I was watching the Houston Portland game here, and something about the, Houston's rebounding just makes discourages me. But yeah, I think what was that game against Dallas where they shot like sixty threes or something like that? One fifty three, one forty nine. Yeah, you don't want to play it. You really don't want to play a team that's willing to be that egregious with a three point line, and then they've got two guys who I don't care who you are, you can't stop. You can't stop them from getting in a paint and collapsing the defense. And anytime that happens, you're dealing with some potential danger there. So I'm in agreement there. I'm in agreement there. Um, and your point with with Donovan is very well taken. Uh, he's fried us all season, but. Um, I, I do think we end up at the as the two seed, but it's a, it's a very real concern going into. Um, I think we have Denver in the bubble too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, Denver, Dallas, Portland. Uh, they they got OKC too. So like, this is not a cakewalk schedule yeah, by any means. I mean, all of all of those games. I mean, are, that, that's where losing a game like this is costly. And like, I I, I get the people that want to you know give Zoo crap, but again. Um, to me, like the 18, 12, good defense on Aiton, good defense late in that game, like that to me is, is what you walk away with versus a silly turnover that, you know, cost them the game t- technically. But I, I just don't think it was, I don't think it erases everything he did. And I, and I, and I think that one of the things that we're going to have to uh, magnify here is, and I kind of tweeted about it, is, um, 
you know, these are a lot of good teams that the Clippers are facing. And with just like they literally weren't playing basketball for four and a half months. And they're jumping right into high intensity games with Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, uh, Damian Lillard, like, and, and things, things happen. So it, it's very hard for me to come to any sort of conclusion. Um, sure. I hope they win, but at the end of the day, I just hope that they're going into the playoffs healthy and playing well, because it's hard. It's hard getting wins against those guys on a, on a regular basis. But after four and a half months off this, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but this is a bubble life and we're here. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe there is some upside to maybe falling to the four or five and playing the Lakers in the second round, getting them earlier. Um, you know, just kind of getting that out of the way. Uh, but we, we'll see in the coming days and weeks what ends up happening. Uh, we're almost there. We, we got ten more days of this regular season, uh, and then the playoffs start in less than two weeks. It, it's pretty crazy. Uh, normally, this is like the time of the season everybody's winding down. Guys are faking injuries and, and resting and stuff. And instead you got everybody ramping it up for the postseason. Um, we've seen a lot of close games, a lot of good games. Uh, so I'm excited for this postseason. I'm excited to see where things go, but Justin, I appreciate your time. Uh, as, as always, you know, I think this is your third time on the podcast. Um, so third and maybe, Oh, it may or be third, third or, or fourth, third or fourth. Third okay. or fourth. So, yeah, so um, uh, appreciate you coming on as always. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, LA Clippers film on on Twitter or Justin Wilson underscore on Twitter, Justin Wilson underscore on Instagram. Give me a follow. Let give me know the, your Clipper Nation, and we're all good. Give the man a follow. Give the man a follow. He does great video breakdowns, lots of insightful tweets. I'm constantly checking his timeline. Uh, to, to see what he's saying, to learn different things. So uh, definitely check that out. As always, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jovan Buha. It's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have not subscribed to The Athletic yet, you can do so by going to theathletic.com slash Clip City to help this podcast out, to help myself out. I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I will be back next week to break down the rest of this week's games. Uh, we'll, We'll have a lot to talk about. So thank you guys for listening.